0: Good morning uh, we're going to read from Mark chapter 8 this morning verses 22 to 26 while you turn there in your Bibles in case you don't know me my name is Andy Steen my wife Rochelle and I have been members here for a long time uh, if you don't know me the odds are very good that you've had one of my kids in the nursery <laughs> I have a lot of kids Yeah, praise God. (laughs) So it's my pleasure to bring God's word to you this morning. Mark 8, verse 22 to 26. Let me read that for you. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. So there's a scene in uh, the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament. And the Arameans, who are enemies of Israel, go out by night and surround the city where Elisha the prophet is staying. And in the morning, when the people wake up, everybody's freaking out because the city's surrounded by their enemies and Elisha's servant says to him, what are we going to do? Elisha seems completely at peace and he says to his servant, those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Elisha's servant doesn't understand. So Elisha prays to God, he says, "O oh Lord, Open his eyes so that he may see. And God opens the servant's eyes and he sees that in the hills surrounding the city are chariots of fire. It's the armies of the Lord and they outnumber the enemy. Your perspective can change greatly depending on what you can see. That's what this passage is about this morning. God had enabled Elisha to see, but his servant was blind to God's power and his plan. So in today's passage of Mark, we're gonna look at two kinds of blindness. We can be blind to God's power, and we, we can be blind to God's plan. And the answer to both of those problems is to have your eyes opened by Jesus. So we can be blind to God's power, and we can be blind to God's plan. And either way, we need to have our eyes open by Jesus. So first of all, if we are blind to God's power, we need to have our eyes open by Jesus. And it may be strange to talk about God's power when it seems like in this passage, there's a lack of God's power at work. It seems like Jesus is lacking in power at first. It seems like when he tries to heal this guy, there's like a swing and a miss, right? The first time it doesn't work. This miracle was probably quite memorable for the disciples who witnessed it. It's interesting that only Mark records this miracle, excuse me, miracle uh, of all the gospel writers. Only Mark records this one. It's interesting, but it's not surprising because it almost seems like Something doesn't work out the way Jesus expected it to. You know, I can almost imagine what it was like for the disciples to be there. If you remember the last few passages that Pastor Aaron preached on, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus feeding thousands of people for the second time, right, with just a few loaves of bread and fish. They would witnessed Jesus... Um, do all sorts of healings and now they come to Bethsaida and this man's friends bring him to Jesus and they say please Jesus we beg you open this man's eyes and Jesus' disciples are probably just like yeah 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 this is like pretty run of the mill miracle for Jesus to perform right we've seen him do all kinds of things I mean just a chapter ago we saw him heal a deaf and mute man. Okay, okay, Jesus, you're spitting on the man's eyes. We saw you, you know, you spit with the, the deaf and mute man. That seemed to do the trick. Um, this is pretty basic stuff for Jesus. So imagine the disciples, they're they are watching this. Yeah, 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 we've got to keep things moving. I don't even think we need to write this one down. We've seen similar things before. They're probably thinking... Wait till we see the look on this guy's face when his eyes are opened and he can see us standing there. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, what? It seems like there's a problem here. It seems like he can't see quite clearly. Whatever Jesus did at first, it didn't quite heal the guy. He says he sees people and they look like trees. Did Jesus just turn us into trees? (laughs) The disciples are pretty dense sometimes. But I can imagine them thinking, what's wrong with Jesus? Did he mess this one up? Is healing blindness not in his repertoire? But then Jesus puts his hands on the man once more, a second time, and he opens his eyes and he can see clearly. Jesus seems to want to keep moving. He tells the man, don't go back into the village. I don't want the whole town to come out. I've got something I need to teach my disciples the next place we go. So what's up with this miracle? You know, we've seen Jesus do all sorts of miraculous things. Obviously, there's more to it than at first meets the eye. Otherwise, Mark wouldn't have included it. We've seen Jesus make a paralyzed man walk. We've seen him uh, heal a woman who was bleeding. We've even seen him raise a girl from the dead. Jesus is not lacking in power and he doesn't lack in the know-how to heal. This unique story of healing is recorded by Mark because this is how Jesus usually heals in his own time. This is how God works, for the most part. Yes, Jesus can heal in a moment. Yes, Jesus can instantly cure leprosy and make the deaf man hear. He can stop the woman from bleeding instantly. And yes, you can pray for God to instantly cure you or your loved one from from cancer. You can pray for God to instantly bring your child's fever down in the night. You can pray for the phone to ring with a job offer. But what if that doesn't happen? Is God not at work in that situation? Is he any less powerful? Does it mean Jesus is is in any less control? Was this situation with the blind man ever out of Jesus' control? Sometimes... It seems like the miracles in the Bible can be a little irrelevant to us because we've never witnessed, most of us have never witnessed an instant healing. But this miracle is really relevant. This is so often how God works. He works in His own time and is no less of a miracle. We are often blind to God's power when He works this way. That's the temptation. We miss what he's doing. We say, I'm still sick, I'm still unemployed, I still don't have a boyfriend, I'm anxious, God must not be working in my life. Yes, he is. Jesus touched this man once and began the process of healing him. It took Jesus time to heal him, not because of any lack of power on Jesus' part, but because Jesus wanted it to take more time. He may have wanted to teach this man something. He definitely wanted to teach his disciples something, which we'll talk about in a minute. Jesus chose not to heal this man instantly, but notice Jesus wasn't going anywhere until the work he began was done. So whatever you are struggling with, be reminded that Jesus is sovereign over it. He's completely in control. He has not abandoned you you may be blind to god's power but he is in control he may heal you now or later or never while you're in this body but he's in control and he is there with you and just think about this in spiritual terms for a minute you know if you're a christian you have put your trust and faith in jesus christ and the bible says many incredible things about who you are now in Christ. Your sins have been forgiven. You're seated at the right hand of God the Father with Christ in the heavenly places. So why are you still here? Why doesn't Jesus take you right up to heaven? Why doesn't God instantly relieve all of our troubles and reveal all the mysteries of life to us in a moment when we believe? Why do I still struggle with anger even though I'm a Christian? or whatever it is for you. Why did Abraham have to wait until he was 100 years old to have God fulfill his promise of a son to him? Why did the Israelites wander in the wilderness for 40 years on a trip that should have taken a month? Why are we still waiting for Jesus to come back? All these things happen in God's time. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He began the work in this man's life when he touched him once, and he carried it on to completion in his own time. And God is healing all of us in stages too. Don't be blind to Jesus' power working in you when it's gradual. Sometimes that's how he works Most of the time, that's how he works. It's no less miraculous. Our sanctification, which is the process of God making us more and more holy, more and more like Jesus, our sanctification is a gradual miracle. It's a gradual miracle. Just because it's gradual, it happens slowly, it's no less miraculous. So don't be unaware of God's power working in you because it happens in stages, like it did with this man. So we can be blind to God's power, but we can also suffer from blindness to God's plan. We can be blind to God's power, we can also suffer from blindness to God's plan. So if we're blind to God's power, we need to know that he's not done with us, that he's still working in us, even when we don't perceive it. But the context is so important here because Jesus is using this miracle as a real-life illustration of what he's trying to teach his disciples. They are blind to God's plan. So if you remember last week's passage that Aaron preached about, the disciples had just witnessed the feeding of the 4,000, and then they get in the boat, And they go over to the other side of the lake with Jesus, and Jesus teaches them in the boat, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Right? And he's saying, beware of their self-righteousness. Beware of their hypocrisy. Watch out, because if that infiltrates your life, just a little bit can go a long way. That's what Aaron talked about last week. And the disciples hear Jesus saying this, and they say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, we can take the hint. We forgot to bring bread. Jesus is talking about bread. We'll bring a few more loaves next time. And Jesus fires back at them almost in disbelief. He says, Why are you talking about bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes? Sorry, having eyes, do you not see? Another translation says, Do you have eyes but fail to see? Having ears, do you not hear? Jesus isn't worried about what's for lunch. He's worried about the state of their souls. Jesus then leads his disciples to Bethsaida to show them what it's like to have eyes but fail to see. He's going to show them exactly what that's like. So here comes a man completely blind. Jesus touches him once and begins the healing process. And he asks him, Do you see anything? The man says, I see people, they look like trees walking around. The man can see, but he can't see. And it's really tragic. Here's this man. He's standing right in front of Jesus, but he can't see who Jesus is. And that's exactly the condition the disciples are in. They've been following Jesus around, but they can't see who he really is. They love the miracles, but they're blind to his plan. They don't understand. Now, remember last week, Aaron said that we are right at the center of the book of Mark. Physically, this is about the center, chapter eight, but also thematically, this is the center. Mark's been asking the question all along, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And Jesus begins answering that question by telling his disciples and showing them here in Bethsaida, this is who I am, but you have been blind to who I am. He says, you love witnessing the miracles, you love being fed the bread, but it's about me. I am the bread. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now this poor guy from Bethsaida suffered from blindness through no fault of his own that we know of. But Jesus spoke to his disciples sternly about their blindness because it resulted from their own hardness of heart. They were at fault for being blind. I used to fish quite a bit um, before I had kids. (laughs) Um, And uh, I went to school, a small school in Michigan, Calvin College. And... um, So I fished quite a bit in college, fly fishing. And uh, I had always heard that you can catch the really biggest fish at night. That's when the big brown trout come out to eat. So I had it in my mind that I wanted to try night fishing. So I went out one night and drove quite a ways out from town, got all my gear on, waded out into the stream, and uh, it started to get dark. And soon it got really dark, and I decided I didn't really like night fishing. (laughs) It's kind of creepy when you're out there all alone in the dark. And uh, I had it in mind that I was going to sort of be able to see stuff by the light of the moon. There was no moon that night. Uh, So eventually I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really see enough to tie on a new fly and stuff. And um, I also realized I didn't have a flashlight with me. Uh, And it it was really like the darkest night I've ever experienced in my life. (laughs) It's not like New Jersey dark, you know, it's Michigan dark. Um, So I was out there in the stream and I realized, you know, I had a problem here. I had to get back to my car and uh, so I sort of felt my way, you know, with my feet out of the stream to the bank. At that point, I still had about a half a mile walk through the woods to get back to my car. And um, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't see the trail at all. I I literally couldn't see my hand right in front of my face. I remember doing that, and I couldn't see anything. Uh, I ended up just literally feeling the edges of where the trail was with my feet. And I could just feel like a little lip on each edge of the trail. So I would just sort of walk and take a little step like this, just feeling my way. And it took hours for me to work my way back up to the car, just a short distance. Uh, I was basically blind by my own foolishness, my own failure to look at the forecast and bring a flashlight with me. I've never been night fishing again, by the way. (laughs) But just like the disciples, willfully blind. Blind through my own fault. Is that the kind of progress we want to make in our faith? Those tiny little steps. You know, sometimes that's all we got. But is that the normal progress we want to make in our faith? But that's what can happen. That's all we're capable of if we're blind to God's plan. Jesus' disciples are blind to his plan here. They love the miracles. They love the crowds. They love being fed. They want to ride in with Jesus to Jerusalem and see him crowned king and knock out the Romans. But Jesus has a different plan. He's about to reveal to his disciples exactly who he is and what he has come to do. I don't want to give away next week's sermon. But he's the Christ. He's the Christ. He's not just going to feed his disciples and heal them and teach them. He's going to die for them. Thankfully for the blind man, Jesus didn't leave him in a partially healed state. And thankfully for his disciples, he didn't leave them partially healed. He's going to show them who he is and tell them what's going to happen. And that really starts next, in next week's passage. He's going to say very clearly, this is who I am, this is what's going to happen. And he's going to say, come, follow me to Jerusalem, and you'll see what I'm going to do for you and for you. So what about you? When you look at Jesus, what do you see? If you don't see him, as the way, the truth, and the life. You're completely blind. You're blind. But you know what? You can still see Jesus as your Savior and be blind from time to time. You can be blind to his power. You can be blind to his provision, his providing for you. You can be blind to his plan. You can treat Jesus like he's just there to help you out of a jam from time to time instead of treating him as your savior who died for you on the cross. Uh, My wife Rochelle and I have been been to Bethsaida in Israel. And our teacher sat us down amid the ruins and he read us this story. And he said, this is what it's about. He said, Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, listen you guys, this is not entertainment. This is not entertainment. If God has done a miracle in your life and it doesn't change you, you don't see. If you're worldly, you don't see. If you worry, you don't see. If you look at pornography, you don't see. It turns out the ruins that we visited in Israel may not have been the real Bethsaida. Uh, This was about nine years ago. And since then, they've discovered another village a little bit closer to the Sea of Galilee. And archeologists say, this is the real Bethsaida. There's a debate between these. Are you looking at the real Jesus? Is it the Jesus you want him to be? or is it the real Jesus as the Bible reveals him? The antidote to being blind to either God's power or his plan is the same. It's to look to Jesus. It's to ask him to open your eyes. Imagine if the man from Bethsaida, after Jesus touched him once, had walked away. You know, Imagine if he had settled for just seeing a little bit. Thanks, Jesus. I'm happy with that. How tragic would that have been? Imagine if the disciples, after Jesus asks asks them those hard questions, if they stopped following him, it would have been tragic. What he wanted them to do was follow him. Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder, so he's touched us once, and the perfecter of our faith. He'll finish what he began. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So are you completely blind to Jesus' power? Do you have no idea who he is? Ask him and he will open your eyes. You can walk into eternity today if you ask him to open your eyes. Or are you like me? You're his disciple, but sometimes you get blind to who he is and what he's done. Keep following him, turn your eyes back upon him. Ask him. And he will open your eyes to his power and his plan. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that although we are blind to who you are, you have made it perfectly clear through your word what you have done and who you are. Father, I ask that you would bless each person in here, Lord, whether they have never seen you, never had a taste of your glory, or whether they know you, Lord, but have become partially blinded over by what the world has to offer. Lord, you know each person's needs in this room. I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes. Let us see you again, or for the first time, let us fall down at your feet and praise you. Thank you for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.